Welcome to Blessings to Israel Ministries, where we are committed to proclaiming the soon return of our great and wonderful Messiah, Jesus Christ. In honor of the one and only true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let's join Brian C. Thomas for today's message. Well, greetings to all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and welcome to Blessings to Israel Ministries. My name is Brian Thomas, and I am delighted to have Nathan Jones as guest today on the topic, The Signs of the Times. Things are definitely accelerating today in the world as far as Bible prophecy goes, and we see so much fulfillment. But one thing I, I do ask the question, are, are we getting ahead of ourselves sometimes as those of us like myself who are very excited about the return of Jesus Christ, sometimes we may have a tendency to read a bit into things. But I have Nathan here who is a Bible prophecy expert. He's going to speak today on are we truly seeing fulfillment of these things and, and what may be things still to come. So, Nathan, welcome and thank you for speaking with us today. Oh, thank you for having me on, Brian. It's a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. And we're just delighted to have you. And just a bit about Nathan. He is the uh, evangelist and web minister for Lamb and Lion Ministries, which reaches out to two billion plus people accessible over the Internet with the message of the soon return of Jesus Christ. Nathan is also the guest co-host of the television program Christ in Prophecy a lifelong student of the Bible and an ordained minister. And I also want to say that the website lamblion.com, uh, is that, that correct, Nathan? Yes, uh, you can remember our name, Lamb and Lion Ministries, because Jesus came first as a suffering lamb, and he'll come back as a roaring, conquering lion in his second coming. So Great. that's how you can get, some people, <clears throat> excuse me, get us confused with lion and lamb, or lemon and lime, or all sorts <laughs> of weird names, but it's Lamb and Lion Ministries. <laughs> all right thank you for that and and i just want to say it is definitely a great resource for bible prophecy i i recall growing up um even prior to my teenage years i was very interested in bible prophecy and i struggled to find resources for that and then during that time i, I did not have internet did not have satellite cable television and so there i was there was a struggle to find great resources especially on the book of revelation but the the website lamb lion just has tons of great information in audio video text i think every format you can think of is there and, and nathan jones is is the brains behind the the whole uh outfit so it is definitely a delight to have him and and i encourage you all to to definitely go out and visit the website i'm behind the website the brains behind the outfit is uh, dr david reagan he's our founder and director but, right. uh, my, my chunk of the ministry is reaching out over the internet right thank you nathan so we'll get started here. We're going to look first again, as I stated earlier, we're, we're speaking today on the signs of the times. And there are many things that the Bible told us to look for as signs that we were living in the last days. And a lot of the things we're going to look at here were actually prophecies that came out of the mouth of, of Jesus Christ during his his time on Earth. And so one of the things that I want to begin with is the increase in immorality. The Bible tells us in Second Timothy, chapter three, verses one through four, that this would be a mark of the last days. And, and I'll just read that briefly. It states, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure 
rather than lovers of God. So, Nathan, have we arrived to the point that these things are, are being fulfilled currently today? I, I believe so, uh, Brian. There, when we talk about signs of the times, we talk about in the Bible things that Jesus and the apostles and others and the prophets told us would happen in more frequency and intensity the closer that Jesus came back a second time. And as we've just looked over the last hundred years or so, they are certainly increasing both in frequency and intensity. As Jesus said, like birth pains, you know, how a, a woman goes through uh, labor and, and the pains come on more intense and more frequent until the baby finally comes. And, and that's what the world is going through right now. And there are just so many different kinds of signs and so many different categories of signs. And like you said, one of them is the increase in morality. If you go to Matthew 24, which is the one of the best chapters, uh, knowing the end times, uh, where Jesus explains in pretty good detail what it will be like up to his second coming. In verses 37 through 39, Jesus talks, he says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, in the days of Noah, as you know, it was a very lawless, uh, very hedonistic society. The Bible says that only Noah was the only righteous man at the time. And as Jesus comes back, society will continue to be more like that, more like you read in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. They will be lovers of themselves, so much so that the love of many will grow cold, and then immorality will just flourish. And we are seeing that all over the world, more, I mean, with crime and violence. Uh, there's no love between parents and children, you know, with the abuse and the abortion. We're seeing lawlessness and corruption. We see countries that are ruled with iron fists. And sadly, even the, the Western nations that have been such bastions of freedom are quickly falling apart due to its immorality. And uh, it'll, obviously, after Jesus comes in the rapture and brings the church up to him, there will be seven years of tribulation. And during that seven years of tribulation, that's when the world will really see lawlessness and immorality increase so badly to the day that Jesus comes. So we are definitely in that sleep, steep uh, decline into total immorality on this planet. That's excellent information, and I'm, and I'm glad you touched on the rapture. I was going to ask about that. So it sounds to me as what you're saying, that some of these signs that we are seeing, these things are actually building even though we have not yet come to the rapture of the church. Uh, you are a pre-tribulation uh, rapture believer as myself, and so we believe the rapture of the church occurs before the tribulation. Uh, and once the rapture has occurred, then we will see these things even escalate more until the second coming of Christ, which will happen at the end of the tribulation. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Fortunately, uh, being part of the church and being saved, and if anyone's out there who isn't saved, please ask Jesus to be their Savior today. But after Jesus raptures, you can read that in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 and John 14, when Jesus comes and he takes those believers in Christ up to heaven to be with him during those seven years, we can honestly say that we probably will not see what's going on in the earth. We'll be with the Lord uh, in a marriage supper of the Lamb, a great party he throws. Uh, we'll be going through the judgment of the just where the Lord rewards us for our work on earth. And we'll be preparing to come back with him at the end of the tribulation as when Jesus comes back to uh, conquer the Antichrist, the world system, and set up his 1,000-year millennial kingdom on earth. So, but during that time on earth, God's judgments will be on earth for its great immorality, like we were talking about, its great sins. Uh, you can read in Matthew 24, 37 through 39, it gives a, a list, I'm sorry, uh, Revelation 22, 15, where he explains outside heaven is the immoral, the drunkards, the sexual um, uh, perverts, everybody that, that the Bible listed is, is the great immorality that goes on outside, and that will greatly increase in frequency uh, throughout the tribulation, uh, mainly because uh, the Bible talks about the removable 
removal of the restrainer, a restraining influence that God has on this planet that keeps it from getting as bad as it is. And uh, I believe that's the Holy Spirit's work through the church because if he's removing the church, then he's also removing the restrainer. Obviously, the Holy Spirit's work in the tribulation is there because people are getting saved. You know, you need the Holy Spirit to get saved. But, um, but yeah, with the removal of the restrainer, the, the world will see unprecedented amount of immorality. And all the work that believers in Christ and people even that are moral in nature are trying to hold back, that won't be there anymore. And the world will just get, it'll just be a cesspool. It's just awful to think about. It is. And, and I'm, Nathan, I, I am really looking forward to the rapture of the church because, as you stated, as, as bad as things are today, we look around and, and it can get a bit depressing when we see so much immorality with with crime and just sin in nature. And to think that things are going to become so much worse during that seven year period of the tribulation. Uh, there's just no way that I want to be here to experience that. And, and I know sometimes we who believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, we get accused of being uh, cowards or escapists. And But we simply just going along with what the Bible states, that, that we are not appointed to the wrath of God. And, and again, this, this, and this message here, of course, is not a, a rapture message, but, but I do think it's important that we, we get that in there. Um, well, as Paul said, it's our, it's our blessed hope. I mean, as we see these signs increase, and as we see the world just coming to ruins around us, believers in Christ can be encouraged, as Paul told the Thessalonians, they could be encouraged that Jesus is coming back. And uh, that's, a, that's an amazing hope to have, Brian. It's an amazing hope to have because uh, we know that as terrible as that is, and then, of course, uh, Jesus will open the seal judgments. That will start 21 judgments that will happen during the tribulation. That will just devastate the planet, uh, uh, just ecologically, politically, uh, you name it, the, the world will be in ruins. And, you know, believers in Christ don't have to worry about that. We can look at the signs of the times around us. Instead of dreading having to be destroyed by them, we can be encouraged and have hope that we will be rescued through them through our Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely, absolutely. And you made a great point that, um, you know, and I stated that you look around and you see the immorality, it can be depressing. But I, I do quickly remind myself, and I hope others do the same, that even though we're not happy that these things are happening, well, we do find joy is knowing that, well, it's, it is pointing to the return of our Messiah. We, we know we will be with him very soon. So there's just so much great hope and joy there. Oh, that's, that's great. And that's a huge thing to bring up because some people believe that, well, if you're, you're looking for the rapture, then you're just getting your kicks out of watching the world get trashed by uh, crime and violence and, and all these natural disasters going on. And, stuff like that. and that is so far from the truth. The joy is knowing that the Lord is coming soon, that, that the Lord, even though the world will go through seven years of intense suffering that the Bible says millions of people will come to know Jesus as Savior during that time. It takes that much devastation to get people to start thinking about the Lord. And then it ushers in a thousand years of Jesus reigning right here on earth in peace and righteousness and justice. And so for the believer in Christ, we can look at all this and say, wow, this is great. You know, it, uh, the Lord's coming and uh, it's awful what's going on. We have to endure that. But when he comes, we'll be rescued from it. And that is the hope that believers in Christ have and only believers in Christ can have. We have so much to look forward to, and and and, and it, it, that's why Bible prophecy. So many say, "Well, it's gloom and doom," but this is not a gloom and doom message. This is a message of great hope and joy because we have so much to look forward to. Yeah, so, so many people that with Bible prophecy, they'll focus on the negative stuff, the Antichrist, the mark of the beast. You know, they'll they'll obsess over those points and and over the horrors that will happen in the tribulation. But we're we're only talking about 
our time leading up to the tribulation and the seven years of tribulation. After that, we're talking about a thousand years of the Lord ruling. Uh, it will get bad in the end when Satan's released, but that is a brief time. And then we talk about eternity. I mean, eternity, being with the, the Lord who loves us, who created us, and was willing to die for us. You know, and so we've got to get through the little bit of bad points, and we can focus too much on that, because that's where we're in. We're in that stage right now where the bad stuff is happening. But that's just like a small blip on the radar of eternity of just wonder ahead of us, if we know Jesus as our Savior. And uh, if, if anyone out there listening is a little skeptical as far as the increase in immorality goes, I just want to just uh, read a little bit that I found through some research that uh, it states that there was a record 41% of babies born to unmarried women in 2008 in the U United States of America. That is up from 28% in 1990 and up from 18% in 1980. It states the trend continues worldwide with the European Union out of wedlock births at 35.1% in 2008, which is up from 25.1% in 1998 and then up from 17.4 percent in 1990 now there, there are a lot of numbers there but basically what this is showing us is that there has been a trend over just here in my lifetime a, a significant increase in which children being been born to unmarried women and of course that is obviously means there's fornication going on which the bible speaks against and this is just one example of so many things in which immorality is increasing in the world and so we definitely see that we are living in that time period Oh, boy, I used to live in Philadelphia for a number of years, and it's a very violent town. But my mother grew up in Philadelphia, and she would tell stories that when she was seven years old, she'd get on the bus by herself and go downtown, and she'd, she'd do a little shopping with some friends maybe, and then she'd come back. You know, never had to worry about uh, crime or violence or being molested or anything like that. I have, now I have children that are that age, and I worry about them just going down the street to the park because it's just gotten so bad with the crime, and you know, worried about the child molestation and the abuse going on. So even in our own society, which we call a Christian society, it's awful. And boy, when you read about some of these other countries that have no Christian foundation whatsoever, it is, I mean, you're living, <laughs> you're watching your back constantly. So, I mean, it, you can just look at, at the trends going on in even our own lives now that we've, you know, live long enough that we can claim that. Not saying we're old, Brian, but uh, <laughs> it's it's get you know you can see it. It's just getting worse and worse to the point where you know you you, you fear for your family and and sometimes your life all the time. And and it's definitely supported by statistics. One hundred percent correct on that. Now I want to speak now on earthquakes. And wow, have we seen so many going on just just over the last two years? Uh, since 2010, uh, let's see, we're now in 2011. Just since 2010, we've seen significant earthquakes hit Japan recently, uh, j even just yesterday. I think they're officially calling it an aftershock. Um, to me, as far as whether you call it an aftershock or a separate earthquake, either way, the earth is shaking. So there's an earthquake. But they had the, the big 9.0 earthquake just last month. We've seen Haiti, Chile. I mean, there have been so many. And these earthquakes are literally reshaping the earth in terms of the, the physical land masses are, are actually moving several inches. Even I think there have been some cases where maybe even a couple feet. And so Matthew chapter 24, verse seven, Jesus Christ spoke of that when he stated nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. So have we arrived, Nathan, to the point where that Jesus Christ was speaking of these earthquakes happening in various places? Certainly one of the biggest signs and the most noticeable signs is natural disasters. 
uh, it, it's interesting, the, the mayor of Tokyo, being a Buddhist, said, you know, I think God's trying to get our attention. And then he quickly recanted uh, later on. But, uh, you know, even people who don't believe that there's a God as, as, you know, the God of the Bible are noticing that, that God's trying to get our attention. And, and we'll look at these natural disasters and we'll say, oh, you know, this is, you know, just nature or just, you know, they'll pass it off to global warming or some man-made thing. But God, all throughout the Bible, says he uses natural disasters to wake up people from their apathy and to so that they'll ask for forgiveness. They'll turn to Jesus. It's for repentance uh, and uh, the judgment to bring to repentance. You're using uh, statistics. If I have a moment, if I can give you one, a uh, British charity called Oxfam went through Red Cross's uh, data. It found that the Earth is currently experiencing approximately 500 natural disasters per year. That was only 120 per year in 1980. The number of weather-related disasters in 2006 was 2,240, only 60 back in 1980. Between 85 and 94, they found there was 174 million people affected by these disasters each year. This figure increased to 70% to 254 million people per year. And uh, these statistics are, are about three years old. The latest statistics came out said that they, we are having so many major earthquakes, and these are ones that are devastating major earthquakes, that we can expect one every 45 days now. Can you imagine one like Japan happening every 45 days? They are increasing in frequency and intensity to the point where um, the Bible talks about in Revelation 6, 12, 11, 13, and 16, 18, that there is a series of major, major, major earthquakes that will happen during the tribulation. In fact, we won so bad that the Bible says it will level the mountains across the planet. So all these disasters that we're feeling now are working our way up to the, the particular judgments that God has on the earth where earthquakes will just totally ravage the face of the earth. And we read in the, during the Millennial Kingdom when Jesus is back that other than Jerusalem, which will be raised up, all the earth will be a plain. It will be flat. It'll be, I live in Texas here, and it's flat as a board. And I'm going to miss the mountains, but the Millennial Kingdom is flat. And those earthquakes during the tribulation flatten the mountains throughout the planet. Now, you can imagine you know, people living in mountainous areas like Switzerland and you know, in the, the Rocky Mountains here and stuff like that. There will be a lot of death, unfortunately, that will come to that. But all these natural disasters are continuing in frequency and intensity, working its way up to the major, major earthquakes that will happen during the tribulation. That is just amazing. Cause, and, and from what you're telling me and, and what the Bible says, it's hard to fathom. But what we're seeing now can be thought of as just little tremors in comparison to, to what's going to come in the tribulation. That is really amazing. And, and, and you really already answered my, my next question. I was going to lead up to that is the, the naysayers out there say that, well, there have been earthquakes going on for thousands of years. What's, what's different now? But you've already addressed that. You said it's happening with more frequency, more intensity. And that goes into what you earlier spoke on, the, the labor pains that Christ spoke of, is that we would see these things happening closer together and with more intensity. And we definitely see that happening today. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, the resulting tsunamis, uh, Luke 21, 25, talks about the tossings of the seas. It also mm -hmm. talks about signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And uh, astronomers have been very perplexed lately that the sun seems very inactive. And then all of a sudden it's gotten very active. Uh, the moon, um, the Bible uh, particularly talks about moon becoming like sackcloth, like blood. It's uh, blood moons, that we call it today, where the moon, because of our atmosphere, looks red. And there's a series of those coming uh, the Bible talks about the stars uh, just disappearing out of the sky. And you know, a lot of those t type of signs, I think especially when we talk about the signs of, in the sky, uh, you know, celestial signs, 
Uh, we're not seeing the fulfillment quite of that yet uh, during the tribulation, especially in the last what's called the vile judgments. Uh, the sun will scorch the earth. The stars will appear to have fallen out of the sky. So for the full fulfillment of, of those type of signs will happen during the tribulation. But we're starting to see just the beginnings of the signs, like, say, the tossings of the sea, these great tsunamis that are wiping out whole countries is already beginning in, in this day and age. Great information. And, and yeah, you touched on there with the, the tsunamis we've seen recently in Japan with the earthquake and just amazing footage. You sit there and watch it on television, the video of seeing this wave of the ocean literally coming in and just picking up there probably over 50, maybe even 100 cars at one point. I mean, just totally obliterating everything in its path. And when I saw that, that scripture, Luke twenty one twenty five was the first thing that came into my mind the seas and waves roaring and we saw in 2004 the Indian Ocean there was another one that that killed thousands of people and so we see this happening and, and and it sounds like we should expect to see it occur even more as we approach the tribulation and then in the tribulation period these things will be of more frequency and more intensity oh definitely definitely I mean you look in the last uh, between 91 and 2004 just 13 years of American history Nine of the ten largest insurance natural disasters happened. Nine of the ten greatest FEMA relief costs were incurred. Five of its costliest hurricanes in history, and three of its four largest tornadoes swarmed history. And that's all in the last two decades. So, the, again, like we said, with the increase in morality, the statistics just show that we're in an incredible exponential curve of disaster that is pointing to the Lord's soon return. And Jesus Christ is letting us know. It's, the signs are all around us. He's letting us know, I'm coming soon. Get ready. Amen. Isn't that great about God, about his personality? I mean, especially when you read, uh, this is a totally different topic, but if you read Ezekiel 38 and 39, it's the Gog-Magog battle. It's a, a group of Islamic nations in Russia that come against Israel in the end times and, and try to conquer it. And, but uh, it, it says a few times there that God lets everybody, lets the world know ahead of time that this is going to happen. And isn't it great that God doesn't just leave us in the dark? If we get into the Bible and, and read and we can understand that the Lord is telling us, hey, I'm coming back soon. He wants us to know. He wants us to be prepared. Uh, he uses the story of the, uh, the virgins the waiting for a wedding. They're, they're sitting around waiting, keeping their lamps lighted for when Jesus comes. It's that close. Jesus is coming so soon that we need to keep our lamps lit, so to speak, our, our lives tuned to serving the Lord with the time we have remaining in anticipation of his return. Great. Uh, absolutely. You're you're so right on that. Yeah, he, he didn't have to tell us. He didn't have to warn us at all. He he could have just said, be ready. But but yet he did warn us to, to, to get ready, but also let us know what would be the signs to, to let us know that this is about to happen. So you're absolutely right on that. Oh, I was just thinking, it's just so sad that it takes this kind of effect onto the world, these kind of intense terrible natural disasters and uh, other signs that we'll cover, I'm sure, to, to get our attention. I mean, we're that stiff-necked, closed-minded, and focused on our own lives that we that we, God has to go to this kind of length to bring us into saying, hey, wait, there is a God. I better get to know him better. I better get my life right with him. You're totally correct. Totally correct. Now, let's talk about the apostasy in the church. We find from uh, Apostle Paul, and this is unfortunately, again, this is something that we, we do not find delight in, in this happening itself. But in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So he was talking here about uh, the falling away of the church, apostasy in the church. And and so, what do you think, Nathan? Have we arrived to that point? 
Well, if our, what we consider our leading theologian of our time period, Rob Bell of Mars Hill Church, mm -hmm. can get up and write a book that there is no hell and that God will allow everybody into heaven and there's no punishment for our rebellion against God, then, and we consider him our leading evangelical, then the church is in serious, serious trouble. We have been so seeker-sensitive, and that's a good thing. We want unbelievers to come to know Jesus our Savior, but we've removed the believers out of the church, we put unbelievers in the church, and we put unbelievers into the pulpits of the church. And they are not saved. They have no fruits of the Spirit. And they have no signs in their lives that show that they're saved. And they keep writing these apostate books. They keep leading these apostate churches, saying uh, every kind of doctrine that has nothing to do with the Bible whatsoever. They're kind of a universalism, a belief that everybody will get to heaven, that all paths lead to God, which is clearly not true because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is the leading leading teaching of apostates. They believe that Jesus isn't the only way to heaven and that Jesus isn't the Son of God. And it's a terrible heresy that to say that Jesus' death on the cross, God's death on the cross, is not enough to get us to heaven. We can get ourselves to heaven, which is a lie. It's the lie from the Garden of Eden. And we are seeing that in the apostasies in the church today. Second um, Timothy 4.3 says, For a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And that's what we're seeing today. A great number of people who say they're Christian, but they're surrounding themselves with teachers that only tell them what they want to hear and not what the Bible wants to hear. And uh, you can go into Revelation chapter 2 and 3 and read about the seven churches. There are seven literal churches that Jesus addressed that were in Asia Minor at the time, but they also represent seven errors within church history from, from you know, the apostles going out and starting the churches to today. And the final phase of church history is the church of Laodicea. It's the apathetic church. It's a church that thinks it's wealthy and we've got it all and we got it all together. But Jesus says we're naked, poor, and blind and we need to return to Christ. And if we don't, as he says in that, he will spit us out. There's just no reason to keep us around because we're lukewarm. We're just, we just don't have it together. Now, that's a, a big sign, particularly of the Western church. I've got to say, a lot of people get down on the, the church today because of that apathy that, and that apostasy that's taken over. But on the positive side, there are some spiritual signs. There are so many people getting saved around the world. Uh, I have a um, co-worker who travels down to Asia and to Africa a lot, and he says there are so many people getting saved, and especially in Africa, that are turning against Islam, that the Islamic clerics are scared. They're saying, hey, we got this big problem here. People are converting like crazy to Christianity. So the gospel's still marching on, and there's still a great need for people to turn to Jesus. But we're seeing in the Western world, we're seeing the decline of the church here over because of our apostasy and our false teachings. And I'm so glad you mentioned Rob Bell. That really just um, it it really just breaks my heart seeing the type of message that he's putting out there. And I I think so many of us we need to be voices to counter what he's teaching because you're right. He is is putting out the message that well every everyone gets saved, and so and we know that's just simply not true. The Bible makes it very clear that it's not true. And and you would say what is the purpose of of our entire lives of all that we're doing here if in the end everyone is saved anyway and so that's just a great uh heresy and, and i'm so glad you you did mention that uh well sometimes uh some uh, programs don't want you to name names but uh boy if we're going to talk apostasy we have to point to hey wait these are the apostate teachings and these are the people 
who are teaching these things, look out for them. Be aware. Right. And I think right. the Lord wants us to make sure that we point out. Paul did all the time. He says, you know, don't listen to this guy. He's, he's teaching you something wrong. And guys like Rob Bell and, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm, some of Rick Warren stuff and things like that, they're just totally false teachings. Right. And I want to share with our listeners a case of uh, something that happened last year, another case of apostasy in the church. And the the uh, article that I was reading stated that on January 3rd, 2010, a gay couple walked out of the Greater Mount Calvary Holy Church service in Washington, D.C. The reason they walked out was to protest the pastor's statement of sex is only pleasing to God in the marriage bed and the marriage bed is a man and a woman. And of course, we know as Christians that this pastor was exactly right in what he was stating. But as a result, this couple decided to this this gay couple decided to walk out in protest. And sadly, they found a church in which um, this type of thing is accepted. They found the church called the Covenant Baptist Church, which bills itself as an LGBT affirming congregation, which means the pastor support same sex marriage. And if anyone is not familiar with LGBT, it stands for lesbian gay bisexual and transgender and that is a group that really promotes and pushes the whole homosexual agenda and so this is just another example where we see apostasy apostasy and you, you i asked myself the question how can the can any pastor of a church know their scripture right in the bible that speaks against homosexuality but yet bills itself as a church that accepts same-sex marriage and we see that popping up all over the country oh goodness uh if you go to whosoever.org, it's a, a website that promotes uh, the homosexual teaching that Christians can be homosexuals and also be Christians. And this goes back to the, the great immorality that's coming on, on the earth. But, uh, you know, you go to Jesus and he's talking about outside heaven. You know, uh, this is the end of time. These are where the people who in hell are. Why are they in hell? Because they haven't accepted Jesus. But he says, outside of the dogs who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, which homosexuality through again and again through the Bible is said to be sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolatries, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood, the liars. I mean, basically, this is not something that can be that God can say, hey, you can continue to live in immorality and rebellion against me, and you can be saved and forgiven by me. It doesn't work that way. When we turn to Jesus, when we ask for forgiveness of our sins, it's all our sins. It's not what sins we, we think are sins are not sins. The Bible says that any sex outside of marriage, and, you know, not picking on the people who are homosexuals. We're talking about the people who are sleeping around. We're talking about the adulterers. And if there's any sin in the Bible that the Bible talks about the most, it's adultery. And these are the sins the Lord says, hey, these are what's ruining you. They're hurting your life. They're killing your relationships. They're leaving you empty. And they're keeping you separated from me. And that's what the Lord's saying. This is keeping you separated from me. You cannot hold on to your sexual immorality and still be a child of God. And so this is a huge apostasy that's it's spreading through the church now, and it's affecting every denomination. It used to be, oh, it's the Episcopalians. You know, they're the ones that are, are obsessed with this. But it's, it's taken over the Lutheran churches, the Baptists, like you just said. I mean, every denomination, because the people, the pastors, are not into the Word enough to understand the Word. Or they do not take the Bible as the inerrant Word of God, and they pick and choose what they want to. So, yes, apostasy in the church is just... <laughs> It's, it's amazing right now. It's a made-up religion. You don't call these people Christians anymore because they are making up the religions as they go. 
Right. Just, just excellent information. And, and I just want to state for anyone that, that does want to argue these things, First Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 10 states that homosexuality is a sin and those people will not enter the kingdom of God, un, un, having living that lifestyle and having that unrepentant sin. And, and with churches accepting this, it goes right along with First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, in which um, it states that this is nothing but a doctrine of the devil to accept homosexuality. And I'm so glad, Nathan, that you mentioned that these things are there because God knows what's good for us. He knows what's bad for us. He knows that that destroys us. And it's not about, again, like you were saying, it's not to pick on anyone, any of the sexually more the homosexuals, adulterers, but God knows it's what destroys us. And so he's looking out for our own good, for, our, for, for the, what's in our best interest. And it's so important for people to understand that. Perfect. Actually, Brian, that's exceptionally right. You know, so I think sometimes as Christians we get so offended by that kind of sin that we react to these people in a uh, just an awful. I was uh, getting a haircut a few years back, and uh, uh, the lady asked me what I was, and I, I told her, you know, I was a, a pastor, a reverend, I should say. Uh, evangelists, they don't have a church to pastor. You know, they just kind of pastor everybody they come across. And uh, then she says, well, I don't like God because I'm a homosexual. She's a lesbian. And uh, you know what? Instead of just jumping out of my chair, you know, and saying, forget you and running out, like is usually the reaction with most Christians, I had a great opportunity to share the gospel with her. And she had some really interesting views of, of God and all. And, and you got down to the, to the, the brass tacks of it is that, that without repentance, we are still under God's wrath, John 3.36. And so no matter if she's a homosexual or a liar or an adulterer or anybody, anything, if we don't ask Jesus' forgiveness of our sins and flee those sins and turn to Christ, then we are not obeying Jesus. So how can we believe then that we'll be in heaven with him forever if we won't obey him in the smallest thing that he asks us to do? That is great information. Now, I'm going to shift gears a little here to another sign, or at least what possibly is a sign, and, and you can clear this up for us here, Nathan. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 14, it reads, then the sky, and this is this is referring to what happens during the tribulation, and it says, Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Now, is this here referring to nuclear warfare? Well, one of the categories of signs is uh, increase in technology. And, you know, people were living in horse carts and mud homes for hundreds and hundreds of years, and then the eight, you know, late 17, early 1800s, we started to see technology taking off and increases. And it, you know, I'm a, being a web guy. Of course, I have to know the technology behind the web. And uh, I tell you, it, it, the technology changes so rapidly and so much. Keeping up with it is, is whew, it's a headache. But the <laughs> Lord said that, that there had to be an increase in technology as a sign of the time. And we have seen amazing breakthroughs in technology. Uh, you look at the, the Bible talks about two witnesses during the tribulation that God will have that will be witness to the world, that will share the gospel during the tribulation. And in the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist will come and will kill them. And then three and a half day days later, the Lord will resurrect them. And the Bible says that the whole world will see the two witnesses. Now, back before there was television and, and satellites and stuff like that, there was no way the two witnesses could have been viewed via the whole world. But you need that kind of technology. Uh, and like you said, uh, uh, about nuclear weapons, and this is awful because you know if you watch any of those movies, uh, I don't being a sci-fi guy like the Terminator series or uh, the Day After, if you remember that movie, mm -hmm. uh, you know as horrible as nuclear warfare is, the Bible 
definitely talks about the use of nuclear weapons. Uh, the sky, if you take a first century man like John and say the sky is receding like a scroll, that's exactly what nuclear weapons do. The sky looks like it's scrolling up when the bomb, after, just after the bomb blast goes. We can read in Isaiah 17 and Jeremiah 49, it's an oracle against Damascus, which is the capital city of Syria, which is also the oldest city in the world. But the Bible says in one day, uh, Damascus will be destroyed, will be burned up by Israel. And the only way technologically we could do that today is as Israel is forced to have to drop a nuclear bomb on Damascus. We read in Revelation 8, uh, verse 7, that a third of uh, the world will have these uh, terribly burned up by the sun and scorching, these terrible burns. And that people in uh, chapter 16, verse 2 through 11, will have these malignant sores all over them, these loathsome and malignant sores. Now, the effects of, of course, and we're seeing this sadly in Japan right now with those nuclear reactors have, having gone and pouring radiation all over. These people are getting sores all over them as they're dying of radiation poisoning. And so uh, the Bible talks about in Revelation chapters 8 and 9, a nuclear war of the tribulation. The Antichrist, as he goes to conquer the world, use nuclear weapons, about a third of mankind, that'd be about 1.5 billion people, those remaining from the previous wars of the tribulation, will be killed from a nuclear war. And this will devastate the planet. All the judgments that we see or we read about after that are all effects of nuclear radiation, nuclear disasters, destructions of the seas, uh, people having sores all over them. So as, as horrible as our worst nightmare realized is that nuclear weapons will be used and there will be nuclear war and a nuclear holocaust on this planet during the tribulation. Right. So let's talk now about the New World Order. We've heard the term New World Order for so long now, and we hear is different, can be talked about in so many different ways. The New World Order, the One World Government, government globalization, socialism, are all these things the foundation for what is found in Revelation chapter 13, where it speaks of there will be a time, and this is referring to when the Antichrist comes to power, that no one will be able to buy or sell unless he has the mark of the beast or the, the symbol, the number of the mark of the beast. Is that is, is what we're seeing today, this whole push towards globalization of government control and socialism, is that laying the foundation for what's to come in the tribulation? It definitely is. Um, it is one of the signs of the times that I think we get most caught up in. Uh, there's a lot of people out there scared about the mark of the beast. I even wrote an article, Don't Stop Panicking Over the Mark of the Beast, and you can find that on our blog at lamblion.us. People are terrified that they're going to have to take this this government. Uh, the Bible talks about how the Antichrist, this one world leader, will unite the world, most likely because after the rapture and all the natural disasters, the, the people will be looking for some kind of leadership, and the United Nations or whatever it morphs into will have to band the world together to try to deal with all these disasters. And the Bible talks about that he will not only rule the world, but so that he can say, find out who is loyal to him, we'll have them take a mark. Now, it has something to do with the number 666. We have no idea what it is, although lots of people have some very interesting theories on what that is. But it's a system that only it begins three and a half years into the tribulation. So again, to my brothers and sisters in Christ, we do not have to worry about accidentally taking the mark of the beast and being uh, condemned to hell forever. But that mark system is so only people who follow the Antichrist can buy or sell, which leaves all those people who believe in Christ having to find some other way to buy and sell. Uh, so we know that the end-time system of the Antichrist, this beast system, as John describes and as Daniel describes, is going to be a one-world government, a one-world order. And there is a huge push to globalism today. I, uh, it doesn't matter, I think, which administration you are on the planet, 
they're all pushing towards some kind of leadership, some kind of authority. Uh, the UN is real weak right now, and uh, it'll be replaced by by the Antichrist system at some point, which has true global governorship. And it'll have to be based on crisis. You know, you, you can't change a whole system of government without there being huge crises. And the world is facing, uh, one, the rapture of the church. Uh, two, they're facing economic disaster. Uh, the uh, third seal judgment is about poverty and people starving. And then uh, you've got, of course, the natural disasters that will be happening and the judgments of God upon the earth during the tribulation. So, yes, that will force a new world order. As, as awful it is to see as, as in our country, the United States, as it gets into that decline, as we're leaving our values behind and our government looks towards leadership from a global entity, it's just the beginning steps of eventually all these nations turning their leadership and authority over to a one-world ruler who, the, this Messiah that the world will be looking for to rescue them from the natural and the, the disasters and the judgments that God will put on planet Earth. You are so correct there, and, and that leads into the, the sign of apathy. I once heard a pastor state that most Christians today do not feel Bible prophecy is relevant to the present state of their lives. And he went on to state that most are concerned about marital issues, employment, health issues, um, etc. And, of course, immediately I thought to myself about the scriptures and when, when Jesus Christ stated in the last days before his return would be as it was in the days of Noah, where people would not be concerned about what's about to happen. And, and I asked myself the question. What could be more relevant than our Messiah returning to earth? He's the one that can bring all of these problems to an end, marital issues, health issues, whatever it is. He can bring all that stuff to an end. So how can that not be relevant? But but apathy was also stated uh, in the Bible as one of the signs before the return of Christ. Yeah, it's that Church of Laodicea mentality, that, that way we've got it together. We don't really need you, God. Hey, we're just going to keep on practicing Christianity without Christ. And that's a... A definitely sign, you know, that the scoffers that you mentioned earlier in Second Peter three, that they scoff at the idea that things are changing, and it's sad. I mean, you know, all this craziness over Mayan calendars and 2012 and stuff mm -hmm. like that. There are more people who don't know Jesus as their Savior who know that something big is coming than the church who sits there under this false impression that we're going to conquer the world for Christ in some post-millennial viewpoint and then hand the, the the world that's all saved to Jesus. And that's not what the Bible teaches. That is so not what the Bible teaches. And so that, it's a sad thing that we've, we we've kind of think, just like Laodicea, that we've got it all together. Hey, Lord, we're just going to save the world for you and hand it to you on a silver platter, and, and you're good to go. And that is just so wrong. And it's just, it gives churches this weird sense that they need to just ignore the 31% of the Bible that's Bible prophecy. I think, too, and I run into a lot, especially as Lamb and Lion Ministries, we spend a lot of our time helping churches uh, teach that part, the prophetic part of the Bible, because a lot of pastors that just don't know that part of the Bible, you know, they haven't been taught a lot about it, the seminaries don't teach it as much, and they, they just don't know where to begin with it. Or they'll see that there's a lot of strange viewpoints out there that people get from taking a verse or two and ignoring the rest, and so it just kind of confuses them. So. Uh, I think a lot of pastors, whether they, they like Bible prophecy, they don't like Bible prophecy, some of them are just, you know, they kind of throw up their hand and say, I just can't deal with it because I just don't understand it. I'm going to focus on what I do understand. So, you know, give some pastors some credit there, I will. Um, but overall, there's just this great apathy amongst the church right now, even though the signs are everywhere, and, and, and that should be a great understanding. And I have, you know, Brian, I have seen pastors that I know are strict what's called amillennial teachers. They believe that there's no literal thousand-year reign, 
that everything will just pan out in the end, everything will turn right. But lately, especially with the increase of disasters and stuff, they're starting to say, you know, I think maybe there is more to this Jesus coming back sooner than, than <laughs> I thought. So <laughs> even God's starting to wake the church up a little bit there, and that's encouraging. That is. That is. Now, the controversy over Jerusalem. You sort of touched on this a little while ago as far as what's going on, the hatred towards the Jews. And, of course, Jerusalem is the center of the controversy. And Zechariah chapter 12, 2 through 3, and Zechariah 14, 1 through 3 speaks of the last days Jerusalem would be the center of controversy. And I think we've definitely arrived to that stage. Oh, goodness. If there is any sign going on right now for you and me to see that Jesus is coming back soon is that Israel is a nation again after being exiled for 1,897 years. Back in 70 AD, just as Jesus predicted, the temple was destroyed, Jerusalem was destroyed, and the Jews were scattered throughout the entire planet. And you can go see the Arch of Titus in Rome, and you can see uh, that fresco it shows the Jews, uh, all their stuff from the temple being dragged into Rome. And so there's, there's a lot of historical support. And we know that the Jews were scattered throughout the planet. And then they kept, through tradition, their own uh, people group, their own identity. They didn't merge into the societies well. There's always anti-Semitism chasing them out of country after country. And then finally with the Balfour Declaration in 1917, and then um, the UN Resolution, I believe, was 181 back in 1947, allowed Israel to come back and take at least part of their land, not all of the land that God promised them, but just a small part of the land, and become a nation once again. And Brian, I mean, do we see the Hittites becoming a nation again? You know, <laughs> I mean, do, do, we, do we see some of the American Indian tribes in this country forming their own nations again? It, it just, it doesn't happen, especially after almost 2,000 years. And it happened to Israel. I mean, the, the major people group of the Bible. So this is God saying, hey, this is a major, major thing. So in 19, May of 19, we're almost coming on Israel's 63rd birthday, or new birthday, is that Israel has been a nation this time. And uh, I know you'd want to, if I can jump ahead a little, we, you had mentioned wanting to talk a little about uh, the rebirth of Israel. And uh, Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 32 to 35, talks about this fig tree. Uh, Israel is frequently in the uh, Bible compared to a fig tree. When it reblossoms, when it becomes a nation, once again, Jesus was saying, that we know that the time is short for his soon return. So Israel existing, and, and oh, it's, it just gets me. <laughs> some some <laughs> Christians, you know, they'll, they'll just blow it off. There's whole denominations out there trying to boycott Israel just because it exists. And yet God wants Israel to exist because the tribulation is not about the church. The church is raptured. We're out of here. The tribulation is about the world, the entire planet, every nation, all 150-some coming against Israel to force them to give up their land and to be destroyed, which is a satanic background. Satan wants them destroyed because through the Jews, as the, the Jews that come to know Jesus as their Savior through the tribulation, they will live on to the millennial kingdom. They will be a priesthood of people on the earth. And so God has these amazing promises that he made to the Jews. And Satan, if he can destroy the Jew, would thwart God's plans. Now we know that Satan cannot thwart God's plans. God's too right. powerful. Satan's nothing compared to him. So he won't, but he's going to try. And so the tribulation is about, even though many non-Jews, non Gentiles, come to know Jesus as their Savior, the tribulation is about getting the Jews so persecuted that they finally turn to Jesus as their Messiah. And it says in the Bible that a third of the Jews as a, a nation will come to Jesus at the end of the tribulation. And they will be the ones that, along with other believers who survived the tribulation, will live on into the millennial kingdom in their earthly bodies and uh, procreate and, of course, repopulate the planet again. So, yes, 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because Israel becoming a nation, and I've been there a few times too, it is amazing what they've done with Israel. It was a barren wasteland that the census actually could count how many trees. There was like 18,000 trees in all of Israel. It was hmm. utterly wasteland. Mark Twain went back there in the 1800s and said, oh my goodness, you know, it's like a God-forsaken land. Now, dude, I was going through Israel. It is a flower fest. There is more fruit, and, and you can imagine there's millions, I think it's like 6 million people now, living in Israel. The rain, there's actually more rain in Israel than ever before because of the amount of plants and trees they produce. It, just as Bible prophecy predicted, they have brought Israel back, the land as well, as well as the people. And the Bible says that God, through the Gog-Magog battle we talked about earlier, will continue to bring the Jews back into Israel. From all the earth, the persecution will get so bad, anti-Semitism will continue to rise around the planet and force all the Jews from around the planet back into Israel. And that is a major, major sign that shows us we're in the season of the Lord's return. And Jesus, in the parable of that fig tree, said, when that generation that sees that, that's you and me, when we see this, we can know that Jesus is coming back soon. So, dude, we are living in exciting, exciting times. We are. We are. And I just wish, Nathan, that what these words that you're stating, I wish they could be spoken in every single church in, in the entire world, because you are, you are so correct. Uh, Jerusalem, Israel, Jesus Christ, you know, I, I that's so many in the in the Bible prophecy community. We call it the, the super sign. And, 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 you know, that's what the Bible told us to look for. When we see this happen, know the Lord's return is coming soon. And it is so clear cut. And but yet there are so many out there that say, well, it's just a coincidence that Israel's back in the land. And there are many that say, well, Jesus Christ, he could return anywhere. It doesn't have to be Jerusalem. It could be New York City. It could be anywhere in the world. And I say, well, what where are you people getting these things from? The Bible makes it so clear. Um, Israel, Israel is, and, and it's, it's just, I, I, I am so glad that you, you mentioned that. That is so, that is a message that we just really need to get out to get people to open their eyes. And, and I am so encouraged that as you stated, there are many who are recognizing it. I do see that people are recognizing it, but yet there's still a large majority in the church that seems to be ignoring it or, or wants to look the other way for whatever reason. Well, praise the Lord for your ministry, Brian. Blessings to Israel. What a great name for a ministry. I mean, thank you. A lot of people say, well, Israel, you know, they're apostate. And I've been in Israel. And they are, 90% of them are secular humanists. The other 10% are orthodox that do nothing but persecute messianic believers in Christ. So there is no doubt that the Jews in this time and age aren't the promised people that God's talking about. The church is. But when the church age is done, God isn't done with the Jews. And he wants so he wants to convert them. He wants them to, to say, hey, wait, I am your Messiah. You gave up on me. Hey, I'm still around. I'm going to rescue you out of this. When your darkest hour, I'm going to be there for you. And we as believers in Christ, you know, obviously the Jews don't know Jesus as their Savior right now, but there are many who do. There's, there's over 40 ministries over there in Israel right now trying to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And ministries like yours that are here in the United States that encourage people to support Israel because the Lord says, those who bless Israel, I will bless. And I think your ministry, man, will be greatly blessed for, for anything you can do to to help Israel and prepare them for their eventual time where they will accept Jesus as Savior. Well, thank you so much, Nathan. That is very encouraging, and I agree, uh, greatly appreciate that compliment. And again, uh, that's something that I would say God has just placed on my heart to, to get that message out, uh, just as you were saying, to bless the nation of Israel. Yeah, they are in a, in, a, in a state of spiritual blindness, but that veil will be lifted, and they will accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And, and also what's so great, and I try to get people to understand, is that as Gentiles in the church, we are not competing with Israel. We are going to be all joined together as one big happy, happy family. And, and actually, 
by accepting Christ, now we're already grafted in to God's nation of Israel. And I try to get people to understand that we will be living eternity as one big happy family under the rulership of Jesus Christ. Amen. Absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up here shortly, coming up on an hour. But I just want to speak on just a couple other signs very briefly. The spreading of the gospel, Matthew twenty four fourteen spoke spoke about that wouldn't be another sign. The spreading of the gospel throughout the world, I think, is a no brainer that we see that being fulfilled from the standpoint of the day with technology. Uh, as we stated earlier, with your website, the internet, you can literally be heard all around the entire world within a matter of seconds. And we're going to see that come to its complete fulfillment during the tribulation when the angels go out and proclaim the gospel to the entire world, as I see it. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I totally agree. The, the one thing that people think is that they read Matthew twenty four fourteen and think, well, you know, the gospel has to go to every nation, tongue, and tribe before Jesus comes back at the rapture. That's not what it's saying at all. It's saying <laughs> right. the gospel has to go to every nation, tongue, and tribe before Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation. So the rapture can happen first, but God has got a lot of people set up that will be saved during the tribulation. We've got the two witnesses we talked about in Jerusalem. It says he's set apart 144,000 Jews who will come to know Jesus as their Savior. It talks about multitudes from every tribe, nation, tongue who come to know the Lord, probably because of the rapture or because of the judgments. Uh, God will even send an angel that will proclaim the gospel throughout the planet. So the tribulation will be a time where people will know, absolutely, there will be no doubt that there is a God and he wants them to be saved, and they will choose either Jesus or Satan. And so the gospel will march throughout the planet, but it doesn't have to march to every person on the planet in the church age before Jesus returns for the rapture. Absolutely correct. And then the last thing I want to speak on here is the revival of the Roman Empire, the European Union. Is that fulfillment of Daniel chapter 2? Uh, where he talked about the uh, revival of the Roman Empire. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that the, having Europe, which has been at war with each other for hundreds and hundreds of years, finally coalesce financially, politically, and now with the attack in Libya, they are now combined uh, militarily. That we are seeing the and it's interesting the United States has taken a back seat in following the European Union, which shows that uh, the European Union is an emerging world power, and as they can they're pretty frail right now. I mean, Portugal is just about to go bankrupt again. The, uh, they don't get along well politically, but out of that weak revival of the Roman Empire, the Antichrist will come and will create the strength and the the. Uh, empire out of that that'll have the strength that the European Union lacks. So yeah, the European Union is a small, weak predecessor to the great, powerful empire that the Antichrist will build out of that weak uh, development. Great. Well, Nathan, unfortunately, we've uh, ran out of time now. Coming to the close of the program, we, we've we've touched every topic, but. We could easily go on and speak for several hours on this. And I, I, I just love speaking Bible prophecy so much. We, I definitely want to have you on again. We can have a part two, three, four, however many it takes. And we'll just continue to get this message out. This is just such a message of, of hope and joy. And I, I just want to encourage all of our listeners out there to, 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 to get away from this whole thing that the stigma that Bible prophecy is gloom and doom and, and, and there's so much to be afraid of. There, there's no gloom and doom to Bible prophecy. It's a great message of hope, and we just have so much to look forward to. And I, I, I'm excited, and I want others to get excited about it. And that we just, uh, just get this message out to the world that Jesus Christ is returning soon, and we'll, we'll finally see and be joined with our great Messiah. So, Nathan, I enjoyed having you. It's been a wonderful blessing to us. Uh, any closing words that you may have for our listeners? 
Well, it's a great blessing to be here, Brian. I thank you for having me on the show. And, and like you said, uh, if you're out there and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, don't wait to the rapture to <laughs> to find out that the Bible's right, that we're right about what we're telling you. And, and it, accept Jesus now. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. And you too can be part of the church. You can go up with Jesus and avoid all these disasters and judgments that are coming on the earth and know Jesus as your Savior for eternity. Amen. Amen. Well, to all of our listeners out there, thank you. Again, thanks to you, Nathan, for being with us. And I want to encourage everyone out there, as the Bible says, what Jesus Christ says, when you see these things begin to happen, look up your, uh, lift your heads and look up because your Redeemer draws near. We're definitely in the last days and our Messiah is coming soon. So continue to look up and blessings to all. Thank you. You've been listening to Bible teacher Brian C. Thomas, founder and president of Blessings to Israel Ministries. Brian and Blessings to Israel Ministries reserve all copyright protections under applicable law. Our copyright policy is available at our website, BlessingsToIsrael.com. Until next time, remember to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and bless God's great nation of Israel.